Welcome everyone to the very first episode of MindSlink. I am Natalia, I will be your host, and today we're going to be talking about us. So first things first, what is MindSlink about? So MindSlink is a project that I started about a year ago and it's all about neurodiversity. So when my child got his diagnosis of, a, of autism, I decided that I wanted to become an advocate. I want to raise awareness and I want to fight for everyone that doesn't have a voice. And I want to help parents to fight for their children and to be able to receive all the services and everything that they need through support groups, through the government. And there are so many things that people can access out there, but they're not aware. And I am sure that there are many things that I am still completely unaware of. So this is the main idea of MindSync. It's to give the support to parents. Also, I want to be able to connect with parents because when I first started this journey, I felt completely lost and isolated and I thought that I was the only one going through this or maybe there was a handful of people going through this. But the more I got involved in the community, I realized that there is far way more people going through these struggles than just me. So this is very important because I am a member of the steering group for the Liverpool Parents and Carers Forum, um, as I said, in Liverpool. And that is our aim. Our aim is to help other parents, to give them as much information as they can receive and to make sure that we can signpost them into the proper services. The other thing that really struck me is that the difference between the systems in each country. I have family and friends in United States and they tell me the process that they're going through because I have friends that have now children being diagnosed with autism or Asperger's or ADHD, some sort of neurodiversity and works completely different there than it works in here. And the same goes for Canada and Australia and New Zealand. So. Although the systems and the procedures are different, we all have one aim in which is trying to give our children the best possible childhood, help them with their development. And most of our children also have sensory processing difficulties and is learning how to balance that. And it's the human body. The human body doesn't change from one country to another. So regardless of the system, we all aiming for the same thing. So I believe that whatever advice and whatever resources I can give here from UK, it could be applicable to anywhere in the world. So that was another main reason why I decided to start this because nowadays we're very blessed by having social media and internet and that we can, you know, be able to record a podcast that can travel all over the world and people anywhere can listen to it at their own time. And that is the third reason why I wanted the podcast. The podcast is because we as parents have to work, have to deal with children that have difficulties. We have to be, you know, therapists and moms and doctors and nurses and psychologists and, you know, everything in between. 
it's overwhelming and it is very hard for a parent to hold a full-time job take care of their neurodiverse child and do courses and training and get the knowledge for to help their, their children you know for becoming more aware of what's out there and how to help your child but with the podcast that's the beauty of it you know you can Put it anytime, you just have to put your earphones or put it in the background while you're doing something. You can pause it, you can go back to it, you can rewind. If you missed something, you can just go back and listen to it again. And it's a platform in which gives a lot of people the power to gather the information in their own time at their own available possibility. So, yeah. These were the three main reasons and obviously what inspired me to do this podcast is my children. So I have two children that are neurodiverse. I have Kaleo, which is five years old. He's nonverbal ASD, diagnosed ASD back in October 2019 with high sensory processing difficulties and global developmental delay. So it's very hard for him to, to learn everyday things and things at school so it, it is a process and then I have Angel he is nine years old almost 10 and he has been diagnosed with ADHD he also has sensory processing difficulty he's dyslexic and possible dysgraphia and now Angel is under the assessment for autism and Kalel is under the assessment for ADHD so it wouldn't surprise me if both of them come back with positive um, assessment saying that yes, one has ADHD and ASD and the other one as well. So life here at home is very crazy. And I did one of the episodes, I recorded the episode and I decided that it was, it would have been a great idea to do it with the children in the background, but boy, was I wrong. It was a chaos because I had the dog walking up and down so you could, everyone could hear in the background the nails on the laminate flooring and then I had Kalel which is non-verbal very very vocal screaming and shouting and blowing his nose because it's the recent thing that he learned how to do and I had Angel interrupting every five minutes asking me for things or telling me a story now if you have an ADHD child you know that a story doesn't start and finish within five minutes an ADHD child would start a story, go through a rumbling of things that have no topic or no subject whatsoever with the original subject, and then they will get to the end. And that's if they get to the end, because their head, you know, they have so many things in their mind that they're crossing each other so rapidly that sometimes he starts a story continues with another ones and then completely forgets why he started that first story in the in the first place so home it's very chaotic now i did say that both boys have sensory processing difficulties but they're both different kalel he is more of a seeker he he is a little bit of a mixture he seeks and avoids certain sensory inputs but Angel, it's mainly an avoider. So Kalel will be this sort of child that likes to jump up and down, go in the water, play with sand, put sand in his mouth, um, grab all my lotions that there is out in, in my bathroom or my room and leather him with all my lotions, 
So he's just seeking that sensations. Angel, on the other hand, is a child that will avoid certain type of clothing because of the way it's been sewn or the tanks or if it has any embroidery. Um, if the wool is too thin or is too thick or if it's itchy, he doesn't like wearing hats or scarves. He barely can bear the gloves, but his nails need to be long because he doesn't like the texture of, of wool in his fingertips. So he's mainly an avoider. Now he seeks from time to time some tactile uh, sensitivity input, but it's not very often. That is in a nutshell, my children. I do want to dedicate an episode to each one of them because I want you to be able to see the different characteristics in each boy and perhaps it can apply that either one of my children have the same as your child or that it is a mixture of both of them. So it's good to have that, you know, information about the different characteristics and the different types. So here in UK, when you get a diagnosis, you don't get a diagnosis of mild, moderate or severe autism. What you get is your child is autistic. We have done all the assessments, spoken with the school. We've visited the school. Most of the time they do. He, I remember they showed me a checklist in which it, it, it showed which characteristic kind of applied. And they're like, so we are diagnosing your child with ASE, Autism Spectrum Disorder. And that's it. So I remember I sat down and said, what else? And basically that was it. So then I had to start doing all my research and all my homework on how to help my child with autism to thrive in this world. So the amount of information they gave me that day was pretty minimal. And I felt very at loss, as I said. And with that came a lot of, you know, negative thoughts and feelings with myself, lots of guilt. But again, I want to do all this, elaborate all this in, a, in an episode dedicated just for Kalau. And with Angel, it, it's, it's a lot of guilt as well, because with Angel, I didn't recognize none of his traits until I started doing the assessment with Kalau. So Angel showed a lot of the traits very early on as well. He used nappies, diapers, until the age of four and a half. Um, he wouldn't speak. He would have meltdowns. Um, he would avoid certain textures of food. But I never took it down as a neurodiverse child because back then when Angel was two years old, so we're talking almost eight years ago, my knowledge of autism was very limited. Um, I only knew what autism was through media and, and some people saying, you know, my child's autistic. And my whole knowledge and idea of autism was that, first of all, the child wasn't normal, which I was completely wrong. Um, and I am even embarrassed to admit that. And then that, you know, an autistic child wouldn't talk, would just rock back and forth, wouldn't make eye contact, wouldn't be able to follow instructions. And pretty much, you know, a, a child that would need their parents the rest of their life because they wouldn't be able to thrive in this world. So that was my knowledge back then. I was completely unaware of all the different types of neurodiversity there is, you know, in, 
in the children and conditions. So when I remember when his preschool teacher suggested a speech and language therapist and some sensory routine, I thought this this woman is crazy. You know, my child he's just spoiled because Angel came into a family that we were already four. So my Angel was my firstborn, but my ex-husband had two children from the previous marriage, which they were living with us. So I thought, oh, he's the youngest sibling, and he's just spoiled. Also, bear in mind, we are a trilingual family, so we speak Spanish, Italian, and English. And I thought that it would be a great idea, one of my greatest ideas, I think, was to talk to Angel in all three languages since he was a baby. And when he was four and he couldn't make a sentence in English or Spanish or Italian, I thought, you know what, maybe I just confuse him a little bit and that's why he can speak. So when we get this teacher saying to us, you know, I think that you should stick to one language. I think that he needs a speech and language therapist. I think this, I think that. My immediate response was, I'm removing him from school. He doesn't have to be in school because he's only four. He has to be in school by the age of five, but not now. So I removed him from school. And I think that was the worst, I, the worst thing I could have ever done. Because I didn't want to believe that my child had a neurological condition. And me and my ex, we decided to remove Angel from school. And while we do, did that, I was already pregnant with Kalel. So when Kalel came into the world, Angel started developing a little bit more. So he saw that his little baby brother was wearing nappies and he was still wearing nappies as well. So that immediately, you know, came off and he was able to toilet train very easily, very fast. Um, and then he started making more sentences, but I was only mainly I was sticking to English. Um, and then we had some family things going on that we had to travel here and there. And we ended up here in Liverpool, UK. All this was back in Canada. So it wasn't even here. So when Kalel started nursery here by the age of two, he started showing lots of characteristics. So with Kalel, and I'm just going to give you a little overview. Kalel was a child that developed perfectly fine and up to date until the age of 12, 13 months. When he got to that age, he completely shut down. It's like a light switch was turned off. And that's when my worrying started. Kalel used to bubble, use utensils, wave bye-bye, say hello, acknowledge you, um, respond to his name. He would do all that. But then again, at the age of 13 months, he completely stopped. So when Kalel was about nine months, we moved to UK. So I thought maybe it was the stress of the travel, of the moving, you know, setting a new house, a new environment, a new place. And I'll just give it a little while, you know, that he will catch up and he will start doing things. And nothing was happening and nothing was happening. And I was getting worried and more stressed about it. And it, that's when I started digging into information you know my child doesn't speak my child doesn't say mama or papa he doesn't wave bye-bye he's not responding to his name and all the stuff that came up 
the common cause was autism, 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 ASD, speech and language, nonverbal, and it was just all the time, you know. So when he got into nursery, I remember he was being very aggressive. He was biting, scratching, um, kicking, doing all the horrible things, you know, that a child could do. And I remember them telling me that they couldn't handle him. And I remember getting to the nursery one day and finding my child sitting on the floor in the office because he couldn't be with the other children because he was being too aggressive. And they just decided that Kalel wasn't um, good enough for the nursery. So they didn't offer me any help. They didn't offer me any suggestion like Angel School had done in previous years. He, they just said, he's too much for us. And those were the words. He's too much for us. We can't handle him. So when that happened, I got a uh, social worker from the Children's Center and talking to her, she said, you know what, he has a lot of characteristics and please don't take it the wrong way of ASD. And I highly suggest you to have him assessed. So we started getting the boat rolling on that and it was right then when we got the health visitor at home and for the two-year check. And when she came, I remember she asked me, is there anything concerning you about your child? So obviously we went through all the struggles that we had, but I said, the thing that has worried me the most and now is concerning me is he's lining up toys and he's lining up objects as bottles. He takes, you know, bottle juices uh, from the fridge or ketchup and whatever. And then he will line them up on the floor along the tiles in a line and he's aligning them also in a pattern so it has to be a tall bo uh, bottle a small one a tall one a small one and if you remove it he will just really freak out he would have a proper meltdown so with all that they immediately said you know you we need to assess your child and again that was when he was two years old so fast forward to last year it took us almost two years and a half we finally got a diagnosis of autism. And with Kalel, I was very certain that he was autistic. But before getting diagnosis, I started attending different courses and workshops and everything that they will say, most of it will apply to Kalel, but a lot of it was also applying to Angel. I was just going like, hmm, Angel does that and Angel has reacted this way and Angel has done this. So that's when I started noticing you know, the changes his previous teacher was telling me about, you know, the, the, the characteristic that they were observing. And I was completely, you know, I don't know whether I, I, I was in denial or I was ignoring or I was just plain, plain ignorant in the subject. You know, I was very young. I had Angel when I was 23 years old. So when I started getting all this, it also aligned with the fact that we started having talks with the school because Angel was in year two and he wasn't reading. He wasn't grasping the phonics or the words or anything. And he wasn't writing. And we also had, you know, that he was jumping up and down from one place to another. And it turns out he was also leaking people because of a sensory input he was looking. 
But obviously, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know what sensory was. I, in, in, in my head, you know, we have our five senses, the, the ones that we all know. Um, but I was in, completely unaware of the other three and how, you know, it affects their body and their learning and their behavior when these things are not balanced. So it was surreal. It was two years of just coming to realize that both of my children were neurodiverse and that they needed a lot of support and that I needed to be the advocate all while my family was breaking down because I decided to separate my ex-husband. If you know a child in the spectrum, they don't deal well with changes. They like their routine and their stability. And we went from a family of six to just us three and the dog in a complete new house. And it was completely different for me. I thought I had hit rock bottom. You know, my family had broken down. My children were being diagnosed with a, a neurodiverse condition. I was on my own. I have no family members in UK. And it was just Jesus, like, what am I going to do? Thankfully, you know, um, my ex's brother and wife were extremely, extremely nice with me and, and helped me through the whole change of house and even gave me their place for a little while while we were setting up in, in, in our new home. And they've always been very supportive. But it was just surreal. It was so hard that I cannot even begin to explain how difficult it was. And that is another episode that I want to do. I want to talk about how you become a single parent with two children that are on the spectrum. So um, we fast forward a little bit longer and I met an amazing person, which now I'm engaged to and we're very happy and he is my hero he has been so supportive so accepting of the children um, the children love him and adore him they love spending time with him they have great quality time and it has been pretty great now i have to say for the past year um i was a little bit worried when i started dating and i met my partner because Angel has always been a mama's boy. And I thought, this can go really, really, really bad. Uh, but the children have been very accepting. They have fallen in love with, with my partner. And, you know, it's, it's, it's all about family now. So we have a little family unit. And although we're not living together yet, you know, we are a family. We spend a lot of time together. We go, go back and forth from house to house. And it's just, and it's working, you know, and the children now are settled. They have their routine. They, they know everything, how it's going on. And also their dad has a partner. So it's the same routine at their house as well. Um, and she's a very lovely lady with the children. I can't complain about that. So, you know, things are okay now, but this is just the beginning of our journey. You know, I still have assessments going on with Kalel and with Angel. Um, not a day is similar in this house. Every day changes. 
So we have to be adapting to change constantly. And when we thought that things were going to be quite normal and stable, we got COVID-19 and lockdown. And that has been a huge, huge change. And it had had like lots of repercussions with the children. Um, I don't, I, I will do an episode just on, on lockdown because I think that a lot of parents can relate to homeschooling and the difficulties of doing so. And I know for some parents have been great and now they are doing just homeschooling because their children are thriving at, at home better than in school. Uh, but that wasn't our case. Uh, that was completely different. So yeah, in a nutshell, you know, we are such a diverse family. It is unbelievable how different we are. Um, and you know, everyone has been very accepting of us coming to, to England, to UK. Angel speaks with an American accent. I myself have a mixed accent between my Spanish and Italian and, and, and my American English. Um, but everything, everyone has been very, very accepting of us. I can't complain. Liverpool is a great city. Um, it's very autism friendly and I think that they're trying to build it to even be more um, inclusive of neurodiversity. And every support group that I have found here in Liverpool have been absolutely amazing. And I will be having some of the support groups coming into the podcast to talk about what they do, why they do it. And, you know, if you want to implement something like they have in another city or in another country, um, it is possible to do and it, it will tell you all the positive effects it has on, on families and parents and children because they need our support. And if we don't stand up and advocate for our children, no one else will. So it is, it, it's kind of like we have to do this because we owe it to them. And I will fight my, child, my children's battle until the very end. And even if it looks like that they can do it by themselves, I will always be there supporting them on fighting for their rights and fighting for their well-being. So thank you very much for listening today. Um, I hope that I haven't overwhelmed you with lots of information. Um, but this is, as I said, this is just a little bit of what our family is and what is has been for the past couple years but I hope that with this I can you know let you know that there is so many things coming up in this podcast there are so many different subjects that we can talk about and I am open for suggestions so if you want me to talk about something if you want me to do some research if you have any question please please email me so you can find me on Instagram at minds dot link you can also find me on facebook at mindslink all together or you can email me at mindslink.liverpool at gmail.com you can find me in all these places send me a message ask me anything tell me oh i want you to talk about x y and z or my child is going through this and i don't know what to do would you give us some information and i always say it no question is a stupid question. 
and even if you think it is a stupid question, there might be some other parents with the same exact question that you have. And if I can give you an answer to it, I will be more than happy to do so. But if I can't, be assured that I will try to find who can give you that answer. We're going to be talking about everything that has to do with um, neurodiversity, ADHD, Asperger's, dyspraxia, dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, ASD, relationships, sexual orientation, social interaction, communication, speaking language, you know, makaton, sing along, sign language, pegs, communication boards, schools, teaching, government, everything, everything. We will talk about everything because there is so much out there to know. There's so much information that you can access. But if you don't know where to start, it's very hard. So hopefully by listening to us, you will be able to find some of all this information and perhaps you'll be able to find a community group, a community support group that will be able to help you and give you more advice. But Please don't think that you're by yourself because you're not. And I want to be able to connect with you because I know how hard it is and I know how lonely it can be. And I don't want any other parent to feel this way because you're definitely not alone. And even if it's just by listening to me, I want you to know that I am here for you. So thank you very much everyone for listening. Please subscribe on the page so you can get our new episodes every week. And I hope that I will get to know you all a little bit more. Um, again, send me questions, send me suggestions, or even if you want to send me an email to say hi, I will reply to you as soon as I can. And I am very interested in hearing your stories as well. Thank you very much. I will get back to you guys next week. Please, please, please stay safe, be alert, and take care of your loved ones.